Monday, January the 24th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, America's Ukraine embassy withdrawal and China's intimidation of Taiwan. First, the world in brief. America ordered families of embassy staff in Ukraine to leave and warned its citizens not to travel to either Ukraine or Russia amid fears that a Russian invasion of its western neighbour is imminent. Over the weekend, America sent more munitions to Ukraine's army. It is also reportedly considering deploying thousands of its own troops in the Baltic and sending warships to the region. Despite a huge mustering of Russian troops on its Ukrainian border, the Kremlin denies it is about to strike. Taiwan reported that 39 Chinese military planes flew into its air defence identification zone on Sunday, the largest such intrusion since October. Taiwan scrambled jets in response. China frequently flexes its military muscles to intimidate Taiwan, over which it claims sovereignty. On Saturday, the American and Japanese navies showed off a flotilla in the Philippine Sea, east of Taiwan. There were unconfirmed reports that an attempted coup was underway in Burkina Faso after shots were heard around the presidential palace in the capital, Ouagadougou. Earlier, soldiers in the West African state, which has a long history of putches, had mutinied at several barracks, demanding more troops and better training to fight Islamist militants. The government denies a coup is happening. Cathay Pacific, Hong Kong's embattled flag carrier, said it expects losses in 2021 to reach as much as 6.1 billion Hong Kong dollars, 783 million US dollars, as it continues to suffer under the territory's swinging border restrictions. That is an improvement on its $21.6 billion loss in 2020. In December, the airline flew around 97% fewer passengers than before the pandemic. Tryon, an activist hedge fund, has built a stake in Unilever, the Financial Times reported, potentially adding to pressure on Alan Job, chief executive of the British consumer goods giant. Unilever's shares tumbled last week after it offered £50 billion, $68 billion, for the consumer health business of GlaxoSmithKline, a British drug maker. Their performance was already lacklustre, sagging while those of rivals Nestle and Procter & Gamble climbed. A delegation from the Taliban arrived in the Norwegian capital Oslo for three days of talks with Western officials and representatives of Afghanistan's civil society. This is the Taliban's first official trip to Europe since they swept to power last August. Amid an economic crisis, they are likely to press for the release of billions of dollars worth of frozen assets. Fierce fighting continued in northeastern Syria between Islamic State gunmen and Kurdish-led forces. The battle started on Thursday after IS attacked a prison in Hasaka, attempting to free thousands of suspected militants. According to the Syrian Observatory, a monitoring group, scores of IS fighters and about 45 Kurds have been killed, including prison guards. And figure of the day, $130 trillion, the stock of cross-border financial assets in 2020, an increase of almost 60% since 2007. 
And now, here's today's agenda. The taxman cometh. If nothing is certain save deaths and taxes, what about death by taxes? On Monday, the filing season in America kicks off, and the Internal Revenue Service has warned of some painful months ahead. The government agency is still processing a backlog of 10 million returns from last year. In addition to being short-staffed, the IRS gained new responsibilities during the pandemic, including the administration of checks and payments under the Child Tax Credit Scheme. President Joe Biden has called for a further $80 billion over the next decade to help the IRS do its job. That could help the government collect more of the money it's due, potentially raising an extra $700 billion. Congress, however, has yet to approve Mr Biden's plan. The deadline to file taxes is not until mid-April, but the IRS has one piece of advice, file early, especially if any refunds are in the offing. Italy's presidential election On Monday, more than 1,000 Italian politicians, all the national lawmakers, plus regional delegates, will start voting for a new president. The result will decide whether the Prime Minister, Mario Draghi, gets the job. That would scuttle his successful reforming government in office for less than 12 months. On Saturday, Silvio Berlusconi, still active at the age of 85, withdrew from the race after failing to attract enough support. However, that does not mean Mr Draghi is a shoo-in. The right will now try to put up a more widely acceptable candidate than the very well-known but divisive Mr Berlusconi, one possibly more acceptable than Mr Draghi. Some, particularly in the maverick five-star movement, see the Prime Minister as too establishment-minded. Others fear his elevation could prompt a snap election that would distract Italy's politicians from the reforms and investments they must approve to ensure Italy gets its share of the EU's post-pandemic recovery funds. No problems for Houston. A firing of thrusters on Monday will gently move the James Webb Space Telescope into its orbit around L2, a point 1.5 kilometers up where the gravitational pulls of Earth and the Sun are equal. The largest telescope ever put into space, the Webb, a NASA project, was launched at Christmas. All has gone well. In operations described as robotic origami, Ground controllers have unfolded the five layers of a tennis court-sized heat shield and the 18 segments of the telescope's main mirror. But the web is not quite ready to collect data on exoplanets and the Big Bang. A quote, cryocooler with helium must first chill an infrared sensor to 6.7 degrees Kelvin, nearly the temperature at which molecular motion stops. And the mirror's sections have yet to be aligned to function as if they were a single piece 6.5 metres across. Actuators under the gold-plated beryllium segments will make adjustments measured in billionths of a metre. Expect the first images early this summer. Better late than never. Born with eight months to live, Lebanon's cabinet has wasted half its life. It is due to meet this week for the first time since October 12th. The delay was caused by Hezbollah and Amal, two parties that refused to attend meetings 
unless the government stopped investigating the devastating explosion at Beirut's port in 2020. Now that they have relented, the first task is to pass a budget, no small job amid a brutal economic collapse. The telecom's duopoly is focused on raising enough cash to fuel the generators that power its equipment. The state provides only a few hours of daily electricity. Scarce foreign reserves leave little room for investments or subsidies. Last week, the central bank spent tens of millions of dollars to boost the currency from 4% of its pre-crisis value to 6%. The cabinet also hopes to reach a deal with the IMF. It only has until May when elections are scheduled. The gowns go stateside. On Monday, HBO will premiere a new series from Julian Fellows, the creator of Downton Abbey, a wildly popular costume drama set in Yorkshire during and after the First World War, about a family and the servants who run their stately home. The Gilded Age is another tale of class divides and culture clashes. Set in the 1880s, it follows the travails of a young woman who is sent from rural Pennsylvania to live with her rich aunts in Manhattan after her father dies. Expect sumptuous gowns, long white gloves and a surfeit of emotions. Audiences' demand for the genre is voracious. A second season of the saucy Bridgerton will steam up Netflix in March. Kate Blanchett is set to star in a remake of Brideshead Revisited, and a new version of Jane Austen's Persuasion is imminent. NBC Universal estimates Downton Abbey was watched, at least in part, by 120 million people worldwide. HBO is undoubtedly hoping to replicate this success with The Gilded Age. Winter Quiz, Week 7 the battle with our baristas grinds on. As in previous weeks, we'll serve you a new question each day. On Thursday, your challenge will be to give all four answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Thursday to editor-espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Friday. Monday. Which famous David Hockney painting, part of a trio, was sold for $23.1 million in 2020? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Winston Churchill, who died on this day in 1965. The inherent vice of capitalism is the unequal sharing of blessings. The inherent virtue of socialism is the equal sharing of miseries. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.